0: I would want us to pray, God of heaven and earth, we praise your majesty and for the revelation of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, whom you have begotten and whom you have glorified above our names. It is my prayer that you will show us your way today. A new year has begun. Lead us in your path of righteousness. And make us channels of hope to the hopeless, eyes to the blind, feet to the lame, guides to those that are lost, and help us to the needy. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Last week we dealt uh, with um, the topic, um, the priesthood of Jesus Christ and the communion. And um, we understood that the priesthood of our Lord Jesus is according to the order of Melchizedek and um, we came to understand why the Bible or God said so why the priesthood of Christ is according to the order of Melchizedek and then uh, we um, began dealing with the, the communion which we could not finish and so today by the grace of the Lord I will proceed to talk about the communion, basically why Jesus instituted the communion and the seriousness, the sacredness of the communion and why if you are taking the communion, you need to take it with understanding, with revelation. Um, I have come to understand that most religious people have a funny idea of what the church is. You see they think that the church is the building that the church is um, that edifice that they enter in Um, i am afraid to say that the church is not the building the church is the gathering of christians the building does not make the church we make the church when we take a human body for instance we know that the body is made up of different members. We can speak of the eye, we can speak of the nose, the legs, the organs, etc. All these make up the body. Likewise the corporate church is the individual Christians coming together wherever that gathering is, whether under a tree or under or in a garden. Or in a building that is where the church is and we ought to understand that the whole purpose of the church is to honor the head who is in the person of Jesus Christ for he said that where two or three are gathered in his name not in my name not in the name of your pastor not in the name of a friend not in the name of the bishop whoever it is in his name in the name of Jesus in other words if that meeting is unto the Lord Jesus then you need to understand that that is the church for he is in the midst of them according to the scriptures wherever to three are gathered he the Lord is in the midst of them so wherever it is where the lord's name is proclaimed that is the church and it is the reason why we must not join the entertainers in the assembly because many people come to the church for a reason unknown to them, known to them alone. So many people have funny reasons why they come to the church. You know, there are some who are coming because of the pastor. There are some who are coming, you know, because they want to be noticed. There are some who are coming because uh, they want some sort of uh, um, and networking. You know, they want to make friends. They want to. Know, kind of create a partnership. Others are coming because of um, marriage, others to get something, uh, you know, for business reasons and stuff like that. You know, such motives are, of course, um, contrary to the main purpose of the church. But when we come together, it is to fulfill. One main purpose, to glorify our Lord Jesus, to lift him up, to exalt him. For in elevating him, in lifting him, that is where people have the revelation of who he is. And that is where people come into that intimate relationship, that encounter. Lives are transformed. You know, people are healed. It's the sick. You know, the sorrowful is comforted that is the main reason why we come to the church it is not for entertainment it is a place which is sacred a holy ground and oh under the old covenant the the same ark of the covenant on which stood the mercy seat was the same that brought judgment on those who dishonored it and this is a revelation of um what the church stands for or in other words what we you know come to partake of they are two things you know the blessing and judgment and um, I want to understand that just as under the old covenant, the ark on which stood the mercy seat brought judgment to those who dishonored, Even so, today, the gathering of Christians is the tabernacle. And Christ is the antitype of the ark in our midst. When I say antitype, it, is, it means that, um, you know, there's something that is represented by another thing and uh, we know that the ark is an antitype. um christ is an antitype of 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 the ark Antitype type is just the opposite of a type and so we can say that, it, that the ark is a type of christ but christ is the antitype of the ark it's just the opposite and um whatever we do in the meeting must be to honor our lord Jesus. For the same Lord who is merciful is the same who is the judge who repays according to our deeds. And I want you to keep that in mind. The same Lord who is merciful is the same judge who recompenses according to our deeds. He will reward according to your deed. And so when you come to the church, have a renewed mind and while some come to the meeting and receive the blessing of God even as we have come to understand some will leave with judgment upon themselves and the one avenue is um, the communion one main avenue through which people bring judgment upon themselves is the communion that is what we are going to see today how people bring judgment upon themselves you know through the communion so we would start i may am um, with the opening test which is first corinthians chapter 11 verse 27 to 31 first corinthians chapter 11 verse 27 to 31 and i read from the new king james version Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, underlined, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not ju- be judged. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Um, I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 to 31. And now, there is one ordinance in the church which we must solemnly regard and it is this communion service. It is not for unbelievers but for Christians and I just what I would want you to listen carefully if there is anything that you can play with it is not a communion. You know many people can come into the church they can make a fool of themselves They can dance anyhow they they want and um, will not even be questioned by the leadership. But there is one particular ordinance in the church which we cannot, you know, play with. We cannot disregard, and it is the communion. It was never meant to be observed by pagans, by heathens, by unbelievers. The communion is solely for Christians. Those who are qualified to eat are those who have tasted of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus. Last week I mentioned that it is an open attestation of grace received. It is not to be done or to be observed when you have not yet entered into this grace the saving grace, when you are not born again, when you have not tasted of the goodness of the Lord, when you have not come to that repentance, and have had that change of heart, and have encountered Jesus, have had a, a revelation of the person of Jesus, of His offices, of His divinity, you cannot partake of that ordinance. It is not to satisfy again a, physif- a physical hunger, as some suppose. Because many times I personally feel that there are some who would come and would even pre- prefer that the church um, would give them the liberty to bring their own cups or bottles for the wine and um, would even prefer a loaf of bread rather than that little unleavened bread. You know, because to many people they are hungry and they are craving and they, they, they feel that if they would be given more of that it, it would satisfy their phys- physical hunger but that is not the purpose of the communion and because of this mindset the scripture says that many are weak and many are sick and many sleep in the church And so, sometimes we look beyond these things and we trace sicknesses and weaknesses from physical um, factors, like not eating well, not sleeping, and all those things, demonic um, attacks. But there is one main avenue, which is the communion, if it is dishonored, if it is um, secreted. it brings judgment upon such and i want you to understand that the word that he used the apostle used which is the sleep is speaking of death but here the apostle is not only speaking to pagans and heathens he is not only cautioning pagans unbelievers heathens but It is also to caution Christians that if we partake of the communion with the wrong mindset, he says that many fall into sickness and many are made weak and some even die prematurely. The reason he used the word sleep defines. Um, what he was trying to talk about. He was speaking to the Christians. He was speaking to believers. And that is why he did not use the word death, but rather sleep. Because most uh, at times the, um, the apostles and the, the disciples prefer to use the word sleep because of the hope, the resurrection of the dead. And so instead of them using the word death, they would rather use um, sleep to mean that if they Christian dies he will rise again and so though it is a judgment that would come upon such people they would still be saved in the long run it is an early judgment though their life may be cut short There is still that hope of resurrection now that notwithstanding um, we need to caution ourselves because I don't think that any of you listening to my voice would want to die before your time. We all want to live that fullness of life. The Lord said that he will satisfy us with long life. And that is, that is what we all um, hope for. That is, that is our fate. And so um, we need to be, be cautioned on how we partake of the the communion now there are three main things that um, i want to set my focus on this evening the purpose of the communion the lord had this in mind when he instituted the communion and there are three main purposes of the communion the first is memorial the second is participation and the third is anticipation these are the three main areas which the communion borders around memorial participation and anticipation now to the christian to those of you who are part of the church who are members of the body these are the three main areas which we need to understand. Memorial. Now, when we go to first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25. I read for I received from the Lord that which this is the apostle writing. And he's saying that he received from the Lord that which he also delivered to the church. Apostle Paul here makes reference to the last night of the Lord Jesus with his disciples just before he was arrested. For in that same night, Christ instituted the communion and established that this ordinance must be done in remembrance of him, in remembrance of his death. That is the meaning of a memorial, something that is remembered. And so, in observing, we look back to what the Lord Jesus did. We look to the past. And in that past, we see the greatest love story of all ages revealed. And so, th- Jesus instituting the communion was just so we would ever remember what he did in the past. What he did at Calvary, where the greatest love story is revealed. And many may wonder why it is needful for us to look to the past because everything that the Christian enjoys presently proceed from that work with the Lord Jesus did in the past proceed from that immeasurable love that was demonstrated to us who in time past were sinners and whenever we look to the past we receive a consolation Comfort, encouragement. You see, there are times when our faith is tested. Our faith is tried as God is tested and tried by fire. And in moments as such, we sit and we begin to ask ourselves, Does God still love us? Has God forgotten us? Are we still in the mind, in the purpose, in the will of God? There are times like that. We call it the dark hour of the Christian. It is the moment where it is as if God seems so far off. God seems so distant. It's like we are praying. But we can hardly receive an assurance. Assurance. But it is as if our prayers are not even heard in heaven. But one ordinance which the Lord Jesus has instituted, which is to bring comfort, is the ordinance of the communion. Because whenever we cast our eyes to Calvary, there we remember the greatest love story. And there we are greatly encouraged to understand and to know that we are not forgotten. It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 32 and it says that if God did not spare his only begotten his own son but freely delivered him for us how shall he not with him freely give to us all things in other words If God so loved us to the extent that he delivered up his own son to be crucified on the cross. How can we say that God has forgotten us? How can we even embrace that thought? Because in Calvary we have that assurance, that consolation. That we are precious in the sight of God. That we are his Beloved, we are the inheritance of God, his possession. He has written our names in the palm of his hand. He will never forget his own. God will by no means forget his own people. And so it is to build and to strengthen, among many other things, and the fact that there the Lord Jesus atoned for our sins. Which in the past weeks I have been speaking of. And the fact that on the cross we were redeemed from the curse of the law. And we entered into the Abrahamic blessing. And the fact that in Calvary we entered into the triumph of our Lord Jesus. It is also to bring to mind the love of That God demonstrated to us who in time past were sinners. And whenever we remember that, whenever we have that consolation, then we are rest assured that the night shall soon be over, that our mourning shall soon be over, that our sorrow shall soon be over, that we would enter into our mourning. And into our dancing. And into our rejoicing. You see, and so it is supposed to bring us to that place. Where we know that nothing at all can separate us from the love of God. That is the main purpose why we, when we partake of the communion. We cast our mind back. To what the Lord Jesus did for us, to what our Savior wrote for us, so that we have the victory over discouragement, over confusion, and over every suffering that we may be going through for the sake of the faith. For the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we remember the the love that God demonstrated for us. And so memorial being the first of the point is looking back to Calvary. And that is the main reason why the Lord Jesus instituted the ordinance of the communion. That we remember his death. We remember what he wrote for us in time past. And where the love of God is revealed. Then aside that, the reason why we partake of the communion is participation. Now the Greek word for participation is what is referred to as the koinonia now the word koinonia means to to share to participate and it describes our oneness in christ our unity in the body of christ which tells us that we are one in christ there is no poor, there is none rich, there is no slave, there is no master. We are all one in Christ. So there is no discrimination. Paul by the authority given him by the Lord cautioned us that before we eat the bread and drink the cup, we must examine ourselves. In other words, we must judge ourselves whether or not we are of the same faith. We are of the same mind with the rest of the disciples who are scattered abroad. With the rest of the apostles who sealed the testimony with their own blood. We need to examine ourselves. As to whether we are of the same faith. As to whether we believe that we are one in Christ. Because the understanding of the early church concerning the koinonia was that they are one family, brothers and sisters, of the same father, the same heavenly father in Christ Jesus. And so they shared in all things. There was, like I said, no discrimination. There was no evil intention in rendering a service to The other. I believe that they. They took serious. The words of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 6. The Lord Jesus said that. Whoever causes one of these little ones. Who believe in me to sin. It would be better for him. If a millstone were hung around his neck. And he were drowned in the death of the sea. Now. In that particular scripture, Matthew 18, 16, this is what the Lord Jesus meant. If a Christian should deliberately cause his fellow brother or sister to sin or to stumble, it will be better if a very big stone, even a stone that is able to crush a human being, is hanged around his neck. And he was drowned in the sea. It is very serious. For a Christian. To be a stumbling to another believer. And that is why. When you have uh, some sort of. uh, A conflict. A friction with a fellow believer. A brethren or a sister. You must. Go and make peace with him. Or with her. Anyone you have wronged. Anyone you might have hurt. Anyone you might have sinned against. For it is. The word of the Lord Jesus. And God is not a man that he should lie. Neither a son of man that he should repent of that which he has said. Better for you to. Make amends. While you are on earth. Than. To depart from this life. Having a charge against you. Because. Of something that you did wrongfully. Against. A fellow Christian. And which you never. Ever. Settled. Before the time. And so that is. The reason why we partake of that koinonia, we share things in common. And when we have any other motive, aside the sharing, aside, you you know, treating others as you would want them to treat you. We avail ourselves for the judgment of the Lord. Because by then we would eat the bread without discerning the body of the Lord Jesus. And the word discerning the body of the Lord Jesus means that we would eat without understanding. Understanding why the Lord Jesus died for us. Why he went to that cross. Why his body was broken. And if for anything, we understand that the Lord Jesus paid the debt which we could never pay So we would all be one in, in, in Him Sons and daughters of one Father, our Heavenly Father We must examine ourselves this evening We must ask ourselves this question are we of the same faith? Is the church today of the same mind? When there are divisions among us. I know there are some who say that we are Catholics. Others say we are Pentecostals. Others say we are Methodists. Others say we, we, we are for what they call a, a holiness church. And so they disregard other fellow Christians. Who belong to different denominations. There is one thing that the Lord Jesus warned against. What we call the schism. Or segregation. To look down on uh, other Christians. Because they belong to a different denomination. That is not the mind of Christ. If we have been told to love our enemies. Even our enemies. The pagans. The heathens, To do good to them. If they find themselves in an unlikely situation then can we hate those who are of the same faith with us? Those who are of the same um, knowledge with us? Those who are partakers of what we have also become partakers of the grace, the salvation of the Lord Jesus. You know, we must learn to look beyond denomination. We must learn to look beyond even ourselves. I always say that whenever I make reference to the book of Acts, I see the failure in our times. I see many things have been removed in this present church. We, we have negated. We, we have kind of overlooked the, the things that the apostles, the disciples of old, they thought that they, these were the weightier matter. Today, we have... Negated them. We have overlooked them. We undermine them. When we go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 verse verse 44. You know the, the, the church had a better understanding of this koinonia. They, they shared in all things. They understood the, the, the revelation behind the communion. That once they have partaken of the communion, it means that they cannot treat others anyhow. It means that they are all one in Christ. It brought them together, it was some sort of a bond. So the person looks to the next person, he does not look to him as if he is from a different world, a different tribe, a different nation. But he saw him in the sight, in the eyes of Christ. He treated him as Jesus would have treated if he were to be on earth. That was the mindset of the early church. Acts chapter 2 verse, verse 44. And I read from the King James Acts chapter 2, the New King James Acts chapter 2 verse 44 to, to 46. It says in the word of the Lord. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. So far as they believed, they were part of us. That was their mindset. And so they shared in common, in all things. Verse 45 says that, And sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and the simplicity of heart. And so what they were doing, that ordinance, they lived that ordinance. To the extent that they, they treated each other as if they were from the same womb. And of course, though biologically, they of course were from different wombs spiritually they were from the same womb of the spirit one father one jesus one faith one baptism and so they did everything together they were the the, the instrument the channels the vessels through which the lord jesus through whom the lord jesus used to administer to the needy to the poor to the battered, the downtrodden. And that is the mind that we need to have if we call ourselves uh, Christians. And we have a parallel of that in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, which is a parallel to that which I just said. And it says that now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one... And now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did any one say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things uh, in common. You see, you may not have money, but a kind heart towards your fellow Christian can go a long way to make her a root in her generation. You know that in the Bible, Ruth was just a commoner with no special talent. She was not from a rich family. It was Naomi's selfless act of kindness that brought her to the place of prominence. Now, do you think that when God lifted Ruth to that place, that height of greatness, Naomi will be left out? Ask yourself that question. Think about it. And the reason why you must look beyond the person in tattered clothes, the person who has nothing today, treat her as precious in the sight of God. For you never know that person will be in the hand of God. Now, the last thing that I want to treat the third aspect of this is anticipation. Now we have looked back, we have seen what is to be done presently. The last purpose is for us to look into the future. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26 First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26 and I read For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes Jesus Christ is coming again hallelujah The last but one verse addressed to the church by our Lord is in Revelation chapter 22 verse 20 For in that scripture, the Lord Jesus said, surely I am coming quickly. And the writer added and said, even so, come Lord Jesus. Every true Christian has an inner joy and a hope that awaits the coming of the Lord Jesus. Some people think that it is foolishness to talk about the coming of our Lord Jesus. That is them. To us, it is what the Lord has admonished us. We must Daily look into the future, awaiting his return, awaiting his coming. But while we wait, not knowing the time, the season, the period, we must also be cautioned of those such people who call themselves end-time prophets, who says that the Lord is coming at a particular date, at a particular season, at a particular period. They are all false prophets because the Lord Jesus said, and he gave us the word. I sometimes uh, question myself if people take the words of the Lord Jesus serious. because in warning us of the end time false prophets, the Lord said, That we must be warned of such people who come with such prophecies. That the Lord Jesus is coming at a particular season or next month, next year. You know, we must be careful of such ones. We must shut our ears to them. Because it is not of God. The one thing is very important. And it is a wise saying to us. Only examine your life. If you are in the faith, walk in the light, in conscience, in deeds, in words. And you will not be afraid of the coming judgment or the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though we do not know the time, we do not know the date, we do not know the season. As a wise man, a wise Christian, prepare yourself. As a servant who is wise, be a good steward. Do what the Lord has committed into your hand. Do it with all your heart. As if the Lord Jesus is coming today. If the Lord comes, it is a credit to you. If he doesn't and you die, you still have a crown awaiting you in heaven. And that is a wise servant. Live your life as if the Lord Jesus is coming in any moment of time. And that is a wise saying to us tonight. And so we understand that in anticipating the return of our Lord Jesus, we For this reason we take the communion as in we take the communion because we anticipate the coming of the lord jesus as the lord jesus said as often as we take we must remember not only his death but also his return some people say that well we do not know if when the lord jesus comes we will go they are in the church some of them have spent about 10 years 15 years in the church and yet they would say that they don't even know whether when the Lord Jesus come, they will go to heaven. And sometimes I ask myself, then if you don't believe, then why do you even take the communion? Because the communion is an act of faith, what we believe in. And so we are proclaiming, in a sense, the return of our Lord Jesus, that we are waiting for His coming, the coming of the Lord Jesus. So if you do not believe that you are a partaker of the kingdom, that you are a citizen of heaven that why do you even take the communion in the first place the others who also think that it is prideful to say that they are citizens of heaven and i say to them that is a wrong attitude because it does not proceed from faith every true christian has the spirit of god within him who testifies to him that he is a child of god this is what we call the assurance of salvation the holy spirit sanctify us to obey god to live for christ to die for the passions and the last of the of the world he inspires the hope of the coming of Christ and the joy of seeing his wonderful fate and so if you don't have this assurance then it is certain that you don't have the holy spirit and if you don't have the holy spirit then it is certain that you have not yet had the revelation of the person of Jesus that you have not yet entered into the grace the salvation of our Lord Jesus. But as I always say. You have today to make the difference. To call upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. And I bring this message to an end today. But I leave you with that. Opening text. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 27 to 31. Ponder about it. Think about it. Examine yourself as to whether you are of the faith, the memorial, the participation, the anticipation of our Lord Jesus Christ. May our Lord Jesus bless you, who is the high priest of a better covenant. May he grant to you the grace to observe this ordinance in all reverence, knowing that we have no past but the cross, no present but faith, love, and purity and no future, but the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of the Lord be with you today and with your house forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.